Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Running is getting better. Because spring is right around the corner. (laughs) And let's talk running and faith this morning. As usual, joining me is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How are you? Man, oh man, I'm good. It's been a while. I feel like I ain't seen you in a month. I know. But it was just last week. It just gets busy, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does. Busy's good. Busy's good. We had some extreme weather changes this weekend, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, it was what? Well, it was 80 degrees yeah. at one point last week. And then and two days later? It's snowing. Snow and ice. And then it's supposed to be back into 70 today. Yeah. So um, welcome to the spring in the south, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, if you don't like uh, the weather in North Georgia, wait a day. Well, and I, I had an interesting thing happen to me when we had all that snow and ice on the ground, yeah. which I'm going to share a story about that today. That'd be so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Did it involve a fall or anything like it that? It did not involve a fall, okay. fortunately enough for me, because I think my bones are getting brittle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about this week's sponsor. First of all, if you own a business or you know of a business that would like to support Run for God and allow us to support you, send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. Uh, he can get you all the information on our partnership programs that we do. Um, but this week's sponsor is State Farm Insurance with Brandon Combs. When you make the right decision, it feels good, like picking the perfect accent rug or choosing a good night's sleep over an all-night crime show binge. It feels really good to make the right insurance decision, too. That's why State Farm agent Brandon Combs is right here in Dalton, Georgia, to help you select your right program at the right price. Brandon will make sure you understand your state farm coverage, what your state for coverage is, so you'll know what to expect if the unexpected happens with State Farm agent Brandon Combs. It's easy to make the right choices. Just call him. We want we want you to know that he's the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And uh, thanks to Brandon, all the staff down there at uh, his insurance agency lifelong or not lifelong friends i've known brandon for many many years uh and he's been a a personal friend and a friend of this ministry for a long time so thank you to to the whole team down there yeah and i'll tell you what i know i know the trend these days is going to online insurance type vehicles yeah but i'll tell you what when i've had difficulties it's been worth every penny if, if, oh, yeah. it, I don't know if I pay extra or not, but if I don't care. When you because, need insurance, it's good to have somebody's cell phone number. The, yes, <laughs> and that guy is on top of it. I mean, he is. He, I he mean, the Combs family is like a dynasty in yeah. Whitfield County in, in insurance, and yep. uh, Brandon is continuing that legacy, and it's good to see. Great guy, great yep. family. Yep, and and like you said, the people that work there. Yeah, the, top notch. Top notch, yep. All right, we got a Facebook post this week from Della Rochelle Crodell. I'm not sure if you said that's the way you say her name, but it may be Crodel. Looks good to me. How do you think? Yeah. Well, well, we'll go with that. But Della, because we've seen her on Facebook a million times. Yeah. She, she's a she's a regular. Um, never thought about how to say her name until I tried to say it. So, <laughs> all right, she says this. This was from yesterday. 
we ran in a storm warning to get our miles in. It kicked our butts. I prayed for the storm to hold off with the blowing and snowing. God is faithful, and it kept it away until we were until we were done. This was the worst weather we have had to run in, and it really wasn't as awful as I imagined it would be. Mental talk makes all the difference in how you go into a situation. Go into it with a negative attitude, and it will be negative, and you will perform negatively. Go in with a positive attitude, and the suck is much less. You can appreciate the beauty of what you're doing or going through. God is good and faithful. Our filters are junked up and we distort his blessings he provides by excuse me by a negative attitude. In a few weeks we will be running in beautiful sun and we'll be wearing shorts and tanks. Spring is coming. Claim the day. Make yourself stronger. Boy, she's right. Yes, she, she is. She's right. You know, I of course I like running. We've talked about this many times on here. I I like running in kind of harsh conditions it's yeah something about it i don't know maybe i've got a wire loose upstairs or something but well yeah, if, you, I've, if you got a loose one i got the same loose one yeah <laughs> so <laughs> but i i mean to, to her point i didn't know she was talking about a s- snowstorm until on down in the post but yeah i'll never forget i was doing a, a tempo run one time this has been years ago and it's probably the fastest tempo run i ever had because lightning was popping all around me i probably it was probably one of those times where i shouldn't have started the run because yeah. you're like, okay, those are black clouds headed right at me. You're looking at the radar on your phone, and it's just lightning everywhere. But you know how we are. Oh, I can get it in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the way back, I mean, lightning was popping. And it's like you find a few extra gears. I was coming up <laughs> Cleveland Highway in front of Butcher's Market, yeah. headed back to the church property. So I had about, what, a mile and a half to go, mile, mile and a half? Yeah. That last mile, mile and a half, I don't know how fast I ran, but it was fast. <laughs> it was really fast. Yeah. So, uh, well, my my thing, I used to run. I used to not really pay much attention to the weather at all, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter if it was lightning. I'd go out and run in it. And then one day, uh, my wife, in her infinite wisdom, um, she she drove by me while she I was, has that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, other than that one weak moment she had when she married she that married. guy, <laughs> she married. Um, yeah, we, I, I was running, it was pouring down rain. The lightning was was all over the place. And I was running around the track. You know, it, there's that track on the way home uh, in Cahutta, where yeah. I live. And she, she rode by there. And she just kind of slowed down and she looked at me and she kept going. And I got back and she was, she was like, she wasn't happy with me. And I was like, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, I, was, I wouldn't think anything of it. And you know what she said to me? She said, you need to understand that there's other people that have an interest in seeing you alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was my, when my kids were much smaller. And ever since then, I've decided that it would be better if I didn't run in lightning. Yeah. So, <laughs> And you think I would know better? I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but I actually, I didn't get struck by lightning. But I got thrown by lightning when I was Ooh, young. Wow. I was on the golf course. It's when I played golf. And uh, it was me and two or three of the buddies. And I was probably 16, 15, 16. You know, you think you know everything back then. And uh, the lightning sirens had went off like two times. And we, we were walking. And we walked to the clubhouse already two times. And then we were back out on, at Knob North, number 16. that goes along country way there. And the sirens went off again. And I'm like, I'm not going back in again. And so we kept playing. Well, I, was, I wasn't in the middle of a swing. I was standing there. And uh, all I remember is a flash. 
and I was on the ground. Wow. And when I opened my eyes, my cousin is standing over me, and his eyes are as big as saucers looking at me. He thought I was dead. But evidently, lightning hit right beside, close enough to knock me down. Wow. And just for a split second, kind of knocked me. I don't know if it just rung my bell or what, but I we got off the – we actually didn't even go to the clubhouse. We went to one of the houses across the street wow. to somebody we didn't even know and said, we need to get on your front porch. But, yeah, it's – it's, it's yeah, dangerous I would, stuff. It I, really is. I, I hate to say this and throw you under the bus like this, but I like to think that if I had gone through that, I wouldn't have been running that day on that track. But maybe not. <laughs> well, but it was if it would have been lightning when I started that. Well, running, that's true. I probably yeah. wouldn't. Have, but you know, yeah. I think I can get it done. Before yeah, get set. That's so, right. Yeah, not we're not endorsing <laughs> running in lightning. We're not. No, it's, it's not stupid. At all. So don't yep. do it. Um, but unfortunately, I have been caught out in it before, and it's no fun. So you didn't do the Lee Trevino trick. You know what Lee Trevino says about getting caught in lightning, right? Nope. If you ever get caught in lightning, you just hold a one iron up in the air because not even God can hit a one iron. <laughs> <laughs> never heard that one. Uh, yeah, and I never, I never had a one iron to hit, but um, no, I, I didn't either. I had. A- three slow as i went i can't, i had a two iron and i couldn't yeah. hit it either so <laughs> of course i couldn't hit a lot of those clubs in my bag for yeah. what for some reason it was really yeah, weird that's why i finally gave it up yeah <laughs> but the, you know it's funny this this post is so interesting because it meshes so well with the story that i'm going to share in dean's thoughts so it's it'll be interesting to see because it's exactly what you're talking about um it just it's the same thing um yeah we've been uh you know our, our our attitude and and what what we do and and how we react to things <clears throat> makes such a difference um and and i've noticed that as i get older i get better at it have you noticed that do you get better at dealing with these negative th- feelings you got and things it depends on what it is some things i get i i think more cranky you know i, I my, some of my family tells me I'm, I'm going to be that cranky old man. Get off my yard. I, I, yeah, yeah, that guy. Because I, I think I have more understanding maybe as I get older. So I, I react to fewer things. But then when those certain things, it's like my patience is less yeah. nowadays than it was. So I don't know. It's like some areas I'm getting better. Yeah. And... Some areas I may be getting a little worse. I don't know. You'll have to ask Collie that. <laughs> well, I started thinking about it. I've got a, a former state trooper, retired state trooper in my Sunday school class. And he talked about how when somebody just starts going off and talking about crazy stuff, how easy it is for him to ignore it. Well, I thought the reason he's he can ignore things so easily is because he heard it so mm-hmm. often. Think about how many times he was writing somebody a ticket and they're just giving him a hard time because he's writing them a ticket and he would just have to ignore that. Sure. And I thought, you know, the more we do things, the easier it is to ignore things. So the more times we put ourselves in a situation where it's really hard to get out to run, but we do it anyway, the more often we do that, the more often we overcome that that negative feeling and, and fill it with the, the feeling of I'm going out to run anyway, the easier it gets. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why that's that's why you hear the saying, you know, when you when you pray for patience, beware because God's not going to give you patience; He's going to give you opportunities. Yeah, to be patient, and uh, 
I think I may be praying for patience too much because he gives me plenty of opportunities, especially <laughs> on Cleveland Highway. <laughs> I mean, it's like these people don't know how to drive uh, up and down Cleveland Highway. But maybe, maybe that's God just pulling me outside try, my comfort zone. He's just trying to help you out. Yeah, just try. <laughs> he's waiting till I get to the point where I say, "God bless you." When yes, I go by, that's right. That's and, right. Uh, Not quite there yet. Huh? No. <laughs> <I'm> not. <laughs> I'm working on it, though. <laughs> well, we had a trivia question last week, and the trivia question was this. Who holds the record for fastest run across the United States, and how long did it take? Did you know this one? I, well, I said last week it was a weird name. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is the guy. I knew it was 42 days. Okay. And I didn't know Pete, but I, I remembered it being a weird last name. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say I knew it, Pete, even though I didn't know his first name. Yeah, Pete Kostelnik or Kostelnik. I'm not sure exactly how to say that name either. I'm not doing good with names today. Um, But yeah, 42 days, 6 hours and 30 minutes to run. Apparently, there is an approved route to run across the United States from City Hall of San Francisco to City Hall of New York City. Right. And, um, And it's not really an approved route. It's just so long as you go from that dot to that dot. Yeah, well, I wonder how they got from that dot to that dot. Because you can take the shortest right spot between those but yeah if i remember right that works out to like 70 miles a day it's 3100 miles total so a little over 70 miles a day yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of it's a, that's it's, a lot of running. it's a lot of running wow it's a lot of running yeah and he was a great ultra marathoner he won also won bad bad water twice which is probably the most famous mm-hmm. and maybe toughest one of the toughest yeah ultra marathons um, what is it western states is the other one yeah western states is another big one in yeah. the united states there's some probably tougher ones like the uh barkley barkley marathons yeah. is is tougher but it's different right. it's not not anything like like these things um he's the fifth fastest american all time in the 24 hour run he covered 163 miles in um in 24 hours which is an eight minute and 48 second average for 24 hours. How many how many miles did Greg cover in 24 hours? He got way on up there on his last. He he did. He did. He was in the mid I want to mid say hundreds. He, he made it in the like 140s. But I mean, he's made it he made it to like the top 20, I think. Yeah. His last yeah. time doing it. Yeah, um, he's It's a friend of ours who who ran on a he actually ran on a treadmill. Oh, he did that on a treadmill. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I know he did a lot of other ultras too. Yeah, but he did but, it on a he did wow. the hundred mid hundreds on a treadmill in twenty four hours. That's crazy. I can't and, imagine uh, that. Wow. Yeah. wow. He's got more wires loose than we do. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so he did this on September twelfth of two thousand sixteen. Um, again, it's uh, thirty one hundred miles. Um, the previous record was forty six days, eight hours, and thirty six minutes, which was set in nineteen eighty. So the record had stood for what thirty six years by a guy named Frank Giannino Jr. Um, and he said he felt like it was nostalgic watching Pete break his record. I imagine it would be because um, you know thirty six years later he's obviously in no condition probably to sure. to do that. So to watch somebody else do it is probably pretty cool. Um, but when Frank did it, you know, he did, a, he spent a lot of time walking and, you know, he only slept six hours a night, so he got less sleep than Pete did. Um, so he, he kind of averaged about 11 minutes a mile, but apparently, um, Pete was like nine and a half minutes a mile for this, uh, for this run. So while he was running, 
um, you have to take out the rest time. He was running nine and a half minutes a mile for 3,100 miles, hmm. which is just crazy to think that somebody can do that. Um, yeah, and he, he there were snowstorms, 35-mile-per-hour winds. Uh, there was a, a major accident which involved one of his supply vehicles, which uh, set him back a little bit. Um, it was uh, it was an adventurous time, let's just say. Uh, and of course, there have been several other ultra marathon runners that had that had attempted to break this record that um, that the original guy Frank had uh, set. Um, but it wasn't until Pete did it that it was broken. So a lot of people thought that record at 46 days seemed easy until they tried to do it. Yeah. Isn't that the way it is for a lot of us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cumulative effect. Of, you know, I say the hardest thing, I've, I've said this many times, the hardest thing I've ever done to this day is not Iron Man. It's not the attempting the 24 hours on a treadmill. It's the Blue Ridge Relay. Yeah. And because... What gets you? I mean, it's nothing like what he did, but it was it was it took us thirty hours to do it, and I think total I only ran like thirty one or thirty five miles total, and I've said it would have been easier had I ran thirty one or thirty five miles and just got my leg of the relay over. But the problem is with the Blue Ridge relay, and, and kind of like this guy is for us, I would run six miles. I would get in a van with five other sweaty guys. Mm-hmm. You can't sleep. The The lack of sleep is what really starts getting you off. And I'm sure, I mean, he got sleep. Pete got sleep, but it couldn't have been good sleep. Yeah. You and think. so it's the cumulative effect of, you know, lack of sleep. You're just exhausted. Not to mention you run for six miles and then you get in a van. Everything tightens up. Yeah. You know, we really didn't have the opportunity. I mean, we probably could have, but we didn't. We didn't stretch like we should have. And um, so, yeah, these type of it's the the cumulative the cumulative effect is exponential. Yeah. On these type of runs. Yeah. And so I can't imagine running across America. I mean, you just got to be in turmoil when you get to the end. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be, got to be. <laughs> I think you need to try it one day. I don't think I'm going to try that. Really? Yeah, not much of an ultra marathoner myself. Okay. I'm not even a big fan of marathons. Not even if I dare you? No, no, no. Well, that's, that double dog dare. You're going to pay I mean, for it? I, well, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> this could be a run for God. Uh, uh, we never know. Are we dreaming something up right here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's, this sounds a little too deep. We'll talk about it later. Uh well, he was very, very meticulous in keeping records, too, to make sure that there was no doubt that he did this run. He wore two GPS watches in case one of them failed. Um, and then they, they, they gathered witnesses. They took a bunch of pictures along the way, and they just wanted to make sure that nobody could deny that Pete did this. And uh, I think that's, that's cool that he was so meticulous about all of that. You know, my old high school coach, who you know, Richard Westbrook, sure. he did the Race Across America once. So he ran this route. Really? Yeah, yeah. And finished third. I think it was, it was back in the 80s. How long did it take him? Um, I want to say it was 60 days. Wow. But that, that, uh, that route back then, I think the way that the Race Across America went was you went from – there was a, a prescribed route every day. Mm. And you ran that route, and then everybody stayed at one place. And then you ran the next so day. So it's kind of like the Blue Ridge Relay. And yeah. You have these segments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But everybody stopped and, and slept basically at yeah. the same time. 
and uh, then the next day you all started at the same time. It's kind of like the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh, so yeah, pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Okay. So we got a we got a race coming up, Dean. It's it's very soon, and if you don't know about it, you've been living under a rock. But we've got <laughs> the five k in Dalton, Georgia. It's the five k weekend for all you Run Club members. Um, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. We've got stuff going on Friday uh saturday morning obviously it's the race we've got the dinner saturday night the good old uh southern barbecue dinner by brooker brothers barbecue and then we're all gonna uh gather together on sunday morning and worship together at my church um so if you don't know anything about it go to runforgod.com click on the 5k challenge weekend learn all about it if you're not a run club member we would love to have you for the 5k race um, it's a great race. It's unlike any other race that you that you've ever run. Um, we just do things differently. Not saying better, but I'm saying differently than most other races. So um, yeah, go to runforgod.com and check that out. And also, just in a few days, April the third, we're kicking off the virtual nationwide 5K challenge. Um, so if you've been hanging around Run Club but you're not participating in any of the challenges or maybe you're listening to this and you're not part of run club and you've never run before for whatever reason you're listening to this um join us for the 5k challenge starting april 3rd it's where we parallel faith and endurance and we take those who may have never run in their whole life to their first 5k it's a great time uh we would love to to see you at both of these events but um you can find out everything you need to know at runforgod.com yeah and if you're a run club member the cost of that 5K in Dalton is free 90 free. Free. That's right. You just don't get much cheaper than that. No, it's hard to get cheaper. Yeah, that's than one that, of the yeah. perks of being a Run Club member. Member is um, is that race is free. We yeah. have a lot of perks. Yep. The biggest one being the Run Club Facebook group. Um, yep. It's I never would have thought that that would be the number one thing that people talk about, but it is. It is. Hands down, that's what people talk about. So uh, if you're not a member of Run Club, go check it out. You're supporting a ministry that wakes up every morning trying to figure out how to share the gospel of Christ through the sport of running. And um, we just have a good time. Yep, We have a lot of fun in this thing. And then after you get through checking out Run Club and joining up for Run Club, then check out J Radio because this podcast would not be possible without the folks at J Radio. Absolutely. If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today all right so we're back dean you're kind of moving slow over there what happened well <laughs> I, I hate to even tell the story uh, because here's the thing about what happened right is was this where you were going to share that because i it it wasn't but <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I just noticed how you were getting up kind of gingerly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I have kind of tweaked my back a little bit. Lifting, um, I don't know, probably 80-pound coolers of ice and water mm. um, because I had decided that 
we were going to do this. We've done this, right? We did this with our triathletes where you take a bucket of ice water mm-hmm. and you have athletes put their arm down and up to their elbow in this bucket of water and see how long they can hold their hand in there because it's painful mm-hmm. to do that, right? And so I thought, well, let's do that with our college team let's have them do that and let's see what their pain tolerance is and you know how it works most of the group they all pull their arm out within what 30 seconds Mm -hmm. to a minute sure right well we had eight of them that were doing this and so i had i had and i'm telling you these these coolers they were completely full of ice i mean it, the water couldn't have been colder and they'd been the coolers had been sitting there for over an hour mm-hmm. they were cold and these ladies put their arms down in that water up to their elbows and every single one of them held their arm in there for three minutes that's impressive we have got a tough bunch so now before people listening think what is he doing to these young ladies on the cross-country team explain why you do that why did we start doing it with the triathlon kids? Why did you do it with these young ladies? Because there's a lesson here. Yeah, and the lesson is is that we, we can always push a little further into our pain than we think we can. Sure. And so typically what most people do when they try that experiment, and maybe you're at home, try it. Get a five-gallon bucket, fill it up about two-thirds of the way with ice, and then fill it up with water. Stick your arm down in there. Mm-hmm. See how long you can hold your arm down in there. And I'm telling you, you can hold your arm down in it. Now, after about... A minute and a half it just gets completely numb and it doesn't matter how long after that so i had them hold it in there for three minutes um but most people will pull their arm out because they'll believe that they can't hold their arm in there because the pain is too great yeah and the truth is is you can withstand that pain but you know yeah, i'm sitting here thinking i i can make a prediction and i guarantee you i would be right i would bet i know all your girls I would say at least two-thirds of them, if you ask them to go home before before they did it, if you would have asked them to do it that night at home by themselves, two-thirds of them wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. Pure but it's, it's the power of having people that make you stronger around you. Yeah. That's also another big picture here it's because, true. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if I, it's – it's harder to get out and run by yourself many times when you really just don't feel like it, right? Yeah, that's right. But if you got somebody there waiting at the stop sign on you, or you know you're going to get on the run club group that night and somebody's going to ask you about it, you're much more likely to get it done. So yeah, that's yeah. a yeah. If you want to try a little test of of pain threshold or pain tolerance, yeah, go get you a five gallon jug of ice water and stick your arm down in it and let us know how that goes yeah yeah i got a feeling we're gonna have people do that and if you if you pull your arm out of that water just understand this if you do that that probably means you can run faster and longer than you think you can and don't when you take your arm out let's go ahead and warn everybody when you take your arm out don't go put it in front of heat yes because then that becomes excruciatingly painful. Yes. Just let it warm up by room temperature yeah. and don't get you, go stick it in front of the heater or anything. Just get you a towel and wrap it in a towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you'll be fine. Yeah. Sure. Hey, did you know that we can remember things better if it's in color? So I heard this the other day. I thought this was interesting. That um, if you take notes, like you're, you're in a meeting or something, you take notes and you take them in color, then you can remember what you learned better because it's in color than if it was just written in in pen you know there's a country song about that no yeah i did not it it really is a great song 
uh, it said you should the title of the song is you should have seen it in color and it was talking about a world war ii vet he was showing his grandkids pictures and he was saying you should have seen it in color huh. it was much good song well, uh, i need yeah, to go look yeah, that up yeah listen to that song anyway well, sorry, you, i got sidetracked you think that's connected to the idea that we just like variety yeah for yeah, sure because i think we all like variety i mean people in general like i think you're well i don't know if you're i i i'll eat the same thing every night it won't bother me a bit i'll eat the same thing for lunch every day it doesn't bother me a bit um i eat the same breakfast yeah that's it. but that's it yeah mm-hmm. people i mean for some people it's like if you ask them to eat the same thing two days in a row it's like you smack them in the face. It's like, well, what do you, I just ate that yesterday. I can't eat that again. I'm kind of that way. Are you? Yeah. I'm see, not a leftover guy. See, I don't care. Yeah. I'll eat leftovers. You know, we, Debbie there's and some I are, things that are better leftover. Chili, spaghetti, yeah. those things, it, you know, you get all those flavors mixed in good. But <laughs> yeah, if it's a piece of chicken or something, I, I don't want it the second day. <laughs> well, you know, this applies to our running too right Mm -hmm. if we put variety into our running running is more enjoyable now i will admit that although i will eat the same thing every day i do enjoy eating a variety of food after we get through here i'm going to meet my two boys for lunch and we're going to eat at a place a a middle eastern food place we've never i've never eaten before i can't wait really where's that at um it's in uh it's on abutment road it's called jerusalem grill Oh, I've heard about it. Yeah. I've never been there. I haven't been there. So we're going to try it. But, um, yeah. So putting a little variety into your run, you know, go run someplace else. Go run with somebody else. Run a different distance. Do something different. And it'll uh, it'll make it a little bit more fun. So I just thought that was a, a good analogy. Now, I'm going to try taking some notes in color the next time I have a meeting, and I'm going to see if it makes a difference. I'll see, I'm not a really a note taker. I, I very rarely take notes i mean i i I write down action items but i've never been a note taker my pastor when we meet for something he'll have two pages of notes and we'll just be talking about the weather (laughs) yeah (laughs) but some people are just really good note takers i'm not i'm not at all i i i I can write down the key things what i need to do yeah out of that meeting and that's really all the notes i take Maybe that's bad. I don't know, or or maybe I well, just got a good memory. You do I'm have a pretty go good. That. You do have a pretty good memory. Yeah, way better than mine. So well, that's yeah, that's established. Yeah, well, and that doesn't take much. But <laughs> <laughs> you can't really brag about that. But <laughs> no, talk about that. Here's a topic that we're all way familiar with: getting older. Unfortunately, um, and we're getting more and more uh, familiar with it. So this week's story, I love this week's story. It is called Over the Hill, and it's by a guy by the name of Rich Glass. It says, a few years ago, as I passed the half-century mark in life, the concept of over the hill became an ever-present reality. Society tells us that by this time, our physical, mental, and other abilities start to decline. As NBA great Charles Barkley once put it, Father time is undefeated, <laughs> but but is over the hill biblical? I decided to put it to the test. Some background. 26.2 is my favorite number. I ran my first marathon at the age of 27 in a time of 347. Since then, I've had two more sub-four marathons, but all on the same fast Houston course, and none after the age of 30. So at age 54... 
God, or perhaps my ego, posed a question. Could I do something in my mid-50s that I had not been able to do over the past two-plus decades? Here was the challenge. In 2018, my marathon time dipped down to 4.56. To preserve my health, I had adopted the Galloway run-walk-run method, so I never ran more than one mile at a time. I chose the Hatchie Marathon in Waxahachie on the first Saturday of May 2019. Texas temperatures can reach the 90s by then. Sounds impossible, but the Bible tells us that with God, all things are possible. Even though no family or friends would be there, I was not running this race alone. Ultimately, I questioned myself. Was I being a Judges chapter 6 Gideon, putting God to the test, or a chapter 7 Gideon, Gideon, trusting God to do something great? God gave me a mantra, a repeated encouraging phrase. It's the acronym R-I-P-E, or RIPE. Resist quitting, insist on keeping on, persist without exception, and exist to glorify God. Each part was supported by a Bible verse. Running a sub four hour for four marathon requires an average of nine ten per mile. The Hatchie Marathon was a three loop course. Other races up to fifty miles were going on simultaneously. That's a lot of foot traffic. Was I ripe? The race started at seven a.m. Temperature was already in the mid sixties. I finished loop one in 117, a little ahead of pace. But disaster struck at mile 15. A face dive into the concrete when I stepped into a small hole in the sidewalk. It took a half minute to inspect the damage, a bloody knee, bruised hands and elbows. Reality set in. Today would not be the sub four day I had imagined. I knew the final act all too well. I would settle into a nice, comfortable mid-four-hour finish with a convenient excuse. My fate seemed certain when the next aid station lacked a first aid kit. I finished loop two at 2.38. Surprisingly, through mile 20, uh, surprisingly though, mile 20 was 9.07. At mile 22, I did the math. I still had an outside shot. At mile 24, the math improved to 50-50. At mile 26, reality again set in. I knew that God had kept me ripe. I finished in 357-56, third among the masters. Here is my Facebook entry. Finished at 358. At mile 24, I had just about given up but gave it to God. Very emotional final quarter mile as I knew that the last time I ran a sub four hour marathon was 24 years ago. To God be the glory. I have thought a lot about May 4th, 2019. A lot of Bible heroes did great things during their over the hill years. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Daniel. My favorite is Caleb. At 40, he spied out the promised land with Joshua. Much later, When the land was distributed among the tribes, Joshua chapter 14 contains Caleb's request. Here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am strong, as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength. Caleb requested Hebron, the hill country, that the the ten of the spies said was occupied by giants, the Anakites, 
and he took that hill. Similarly, God has hills. He, excuse me, similarly, God has hills he wants every believer to take. We simply need to be ripe. Resist quitting, insist on keeping on, persist without exception, and exist to glorify God. Man, that's a great story, Rich. That uh, that gives me hope. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not too far from that half century mark now. Yeah, you're getting, got a few years left, but get closer every day. Yeah, I mean, he's just a great example that so many times I hear it a lot. You know, people say, "Well, I'm I'm too old to do this. I'm too old to do that." And no, you're not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, it's just a state of mind. It's just a number. It really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some limitations, but. The act of running is not one of them yeah. in most cases. That's right. Yep. Well, the the definition of the word ripe I thought was interesting. Um, ripe means fully grown and developed or having mature knowledge, understanding, or judgment or of advancing years, like as in ripe old age, um, or suitable or appropriate. The time was ripe for the attempt, for example, and then fully prepared uh, ready, ready. The colonies, uh, the excuse me, the colonies were ripe for revolution. Is an example. I mean that 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 is so so much of what we're trying to accomplish when we're talking about running and trying to conquer a goal, which is what Rich was trying to do here. Is all of those definitions apply in some way, don't they? Yeah. So it's awesome how God gave him that particular acronym. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. That's uh Yeah, that's a great It's just job. a testament that, you know, we you, you can you can take control of your health at any age. Yeah. And it's, um Yeah, I like I love that story. Yeah, yeah. Scripture passage number one, second Timothy four seven. Uh I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. We've all heard that one. Um, and we have all done one of two things. Um, we, we did something like halfway, like we didn't put our full effort into it and then we regretted it afterwards mm-hmm. or we didn't do something and then we were mad at ourselves afterwards. Right. We've all done that. Um, now take those things cause we, we've all been there and contrast that with the feeling of accomplishment that comes after like what Rich did here. Right. And think about the difference between those two things. And we all have a choice every day yeah. to make in how we pursue those things, right? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the pain of regret is always worse than the pain of whatever process, whatever process you're going through. Because mm. I've, I've been in races where, unfortunately, I mailed it in. Yeah. And, I mean, you no more get across the finish line and that sense of just regret and calling yourself names and it never i mean you have a moment of relief in that moment when you're like and you're pushing and everything's hurting and and then you just mail it in you call it quits and you slow down like he talks about he he just knew that he was going to slow down to that mid four pace and you have a moment of relief yeah but then the regret that comes along with it far dwarfs that moment of relief. And it's yeah. always better to push through. Yeah. To to do what you set out to do because then, I mean, you hear it all the time. Uh, what is it? Um, 
pain is temporary. Online race results are forever. <laughs> That's right. And forever you will have to see those online race results. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've done it. I know where yeah. Rich is coming from, and it's, it's not a good feeling. Like I said, we all have. And the truth is, you know, we've got the opportunity every day to affect the outcomes of the things that we do in profound ways, but we just don't see it in the moment. You know, we don't we we don't ever go for a run and then get through and go, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, we always we're always glad we did it. Sure. And yet we still have a hard time seeing that end feeling when we're when we still have that thing in front of us that little mountain to climb mm. and and i don't know why that is i guess it's the same reason why we have trouble with um relying on god you know because we've seen how he comes through time and time again and yet then we still have a hard time trusting him next time yeah and it's just it's a vicious cycle it really is the verse after this says, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And that's how Paul was able to stay so focused on that goal and why he could at the end of the at the end of his life say, I, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race because he kept that crown and the vision of that crown in front of him all the time. Yeah. And that's what we should all do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about Paul. I mean, he most of the letters or a lot of the letters that he wrote were from prison. Yeah. And his letters were encouraging other people and you know, tell telling other people, Hey, I'm writing you from prison, but but keep doing what you're doing. Keep the faith. Keep keep proselytizing. Keep telling people about Jesus because we know he's real. We know that there's an end to this game. And we know that we can spend eternity with him. But for this little while, I mean, we, we talk about the pain of, you know, a 20-minute race not yeah. mailing it in. Well, Paul was talking about the pain of a lifetime yep. that are, are for years, and he wasn't willing to mail it in because in contrast to eternity, it's it's less than that 20-minute run. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, but but you're right. It's We do it. We know the benefits of it. We know what it feels like to cross the finish line victoriously or do something substantial for Christ and be rewarded for it by him. We know what that feels like. But yet we go to sleep and we wake up the next day and it's like we start the cycle all over again. And, you know, if Paul had it figured out and we we need to rely on these passages – you know, we, we we need to look at, I mean, Rich mentioned the heroes of faith um, up there, and, and we have all that. That's the great thing about where we are today that Paul didn't necessarily have. I mean, he had the Old Testament, but we've got the whole Bible now. Yeah. And we see all these stories, and we know the outcomes, and we know what's in store for us if, we, if we're obedient. But you got to open that book, and yep. you got to read. Yep, yep, every day. Uh, we have to change our filter, which we're going to we're going to keep driving that point home today. <laughs> Isaiah forty thirty one, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Renew our strength. You know, Rich found strength um, that he had not had in many years. Um, I think about that when when I think about that the phrase renew our strength 
and I, I think there's a spiritual application to that as well. Um, because no matter how far away from God we get, um, no matter how, how much we feel disconnected from God, he's always ready to renew that tie that we have with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there, there may be people listening who, who have, who have felt the feel distant to God. He's just waiting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just waiting for us to turn around and, and he's just waiting for us to ask him. But the idea of wait, I guess that's the word that's jumping out to me this week. Um, I think, I think you've talked about it before and we've talked about this same verse, but so many times God, we learn so much more in the waiting. Yeah. For people like me, especially I'm, I'm very impatient. I know that that is one of my, that is not my spiritual gift. Um, it should, it should be. And I think God is, is testing me in that area a lot of times, but you know, we're, we, we were talking earlier, Lane's dealing with a little injury right now. And it's just, when you're dealing with an injury, that's what it's all about is waiting, being patient. Just stop. It's true. Just stop. Mm-hmm. You know, that's hard to do, but my hope is that there's there's a lot to be learned in this waiting process for me and for Lane because you know his dad and coach this this hurts me as much as it hurts him yeah um but it's I, I was listening to last week's podcast just yesterday and we were talking about the concept of just stop yeah just stop and listen sometimes and that's that's not what our society says to do it says do something do 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 yep and, and and we're wired that way. We are. Yep. But this verse says, but those who wait shall renew. Yep. And wait is a picture of nothing. Yeah. It's it's not doing something. Yeah. It's just not doing anything, which is very hard to do. And so, yeah, I think that's where God has me right now. Yeah. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm. I can't help but think of this as the "Remember the Goal" verse. Yeah. If you've never uh, heard of the movie "Remember the Goal," it's a it's a movie out there that a good friend of ours has uh, put together, and uh, it's a running related Christian based sharing the gospel. You can pick it up movie. on the Run for God store. We've still got copies of it on there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Check that out because. Um, it is. It's a good. It's a good movie, and um, it's it's enjoyable. A couple of twists in it that make it mm-hmm. really enjoyable as well. Um, but yeah, he's talking here and talking. Eating and drinking are the most basic things we we do, right? And so what? And then he says, whatever whatever you do, and the idea here is, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We should be doing things to glorify God, mm-hmm. and that includes running. Mm-hmm. Our running should be that way, and that's kind of how Run for God got started. Wasn't well, the attempt I think, to do yeah, that, right? I think, I think, but it's it's being intentional. It's waking up every day. I was just thinking this morning. Um, you know, I wear pretty much a Run for God shirt everywhere I go. Everything I do, I'm wearing a Run for God shirt. And so this morning, I got up and I have a uh, I have a lunch meeting today with has nothing to do with Run for God. It's the construction side, and. I was thinking this person really doesn't know me. We're, we're going to kind of get to know each other at this lunch meeting. And I've got this run for God shirt on. And I, I was thinking just this morning, I know he's probably going to ask me about run for God. Hmm. And 
I was going through my head this morning. What am I going to say? It's it's not that we have a template. It's but we always need to be prepared, and and, mm-hmm. and we need to be prepared to live out First Corinthians ten thirty one. Yeah. Whatever you do, whatever you do, that's pretty all encompassing. Yeah. And we need to wake up in the morning, not strategizing. I don't know the right word, but we we need to prepare ourselves yeah. every morning for. You know, because I was trying to think of what questions could this person. I don't necessarily know where this guy stands with eternity. I don't know what he believes. I don't know anything about him. All I know is we're going to lunch, and I'm going to have God on the front of my shirt. And I need to be prepared to deal with that. Yeah. And to me, that's 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 a picture to me of living out First Corinthians ten thirty one is waking up and and getting prepared for the day and doing everything we do for god's glory yeah that includes eating lunch with somebody you don't know that could be you running into somebody at the college that could Mm -hmm. be somebody listening you know being approached by somebody at work we it's it's a picture of preparedness yeah yeah i i've got a friend of mine actually he's a run club member and um he just ran the marathon as a matter of fact he was one of the last finishers to finish that marathon and um, his name's John. It, it doesn't matter what that man's doing. Mm-hmm. He is the picture of what a faithful Christian should be. Sure. I don't. He is. He's so compassionate. Every time you talk to him, um, and uh, it's good that we have we have all these biblical models, but it's also good to have these modern day folks mm-hmm. too. And um, you know, he's he's helped me be a better a better man. Yeah. Because of just watching him and what he does, and that's how we who we all want to aspire to be. I think, sure. and I think that's what this means is if we're doing it right, if we're living out First Corinthians ten thirty one, then people are noticing and, and they're wanting to emulate what, yeah. what we do, and that's uh, that's an important thing. Good word. How about a question? What stops us from daring to attempt the impossible if God gets the glory? <laughs> What's what stops us from anything? I think I think it's for a four letter word. Yeah. Fear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh yeah, I think um I, I wonder if we feel even more reluctant to step out where we feel like what we're doing is is for God. You know what I mean? Does that make it harder or easier? Because I think sometimes, you know, it's like we we don't want to let God down. Right, so if we feel like, I think it's always harder though. Yeah, because when we step out into those areas, you know, that's stepping outside our comfort zone is where God gets the most glory by by definition, I think. But I've said it many times that that's a picture of boldness, and, and boldness is doing something. Is true boldness is putting our faith into something. It's putting our it's it's it's. I'm trying to remember how I say this now. True what? boldness is putting our faith into action when we the only thing we have to fall back on is what we claim to put our faith in. Yeah. So we, in in a real world real world picture, boldness is is doing something for God who we claim to put our faith in that will utterly fail if God doesn't show up. Yeah. 
And that's a very scary place to be. It is. You know, I've, I've in some talks I've given before, I used the, the example, and I can't even remember the guy's name, but the guy that walked across the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, so many people, he did it with no net, no nothing. You know, I've seen that done before, but you usually see a net, you see whatever. But this guy had faith in his ability. And so boldness in that picture was this guy walking across with no net because he was he was relying on what he claimed to put his faith in, which was himself. And he walked across. But putting a net under somebody, well, that's not true boldness. Yeah. That's I've got a backup plan. Yeah. But many times God calls us to places where we have no backup plan. Mm. And that is the most scary places to walk is, God, if you don't show up, this is going to. This is going to be bad. And I've been in those places before. Yeah. Um, But it's, God always shows up. If, if we're really doing what God asks us to do, where the line gets blurry sometimes is, sometimes it's what we want to do. Yeah. And we try to stick a God sticker on it, and we want God to show up. And God isn't always necessarily going to show up in those places. Yeah, we we got to do like David Hendricks said: find where God's working and go there. Yeah, and then do that with true boldness, and then you're safe there. Yep. But you got to know the difference in the two. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a good word. Another question: Why is over the hill such a commonly accepted concept, given the examples in the Bible to the contrary? <laughs> I think the reason why those examples are so notable in the Bible is because they are out of the norm. You know what I mean? In other words, God consistently throughout the Bible used people who you wouldn't think he would use. He never used perfect people to make a point. I mean, about the closest he came to that was, um, you know, Job, who was, mm-hmm. you know, um, who stayed stayed on task no matter what happened to him. But for the most part, he used very, very imperfect people to accomplish what he, he wanted to accomplish and that meant sometimes let's let's throw an old guy in there let's let's have an old guy have his first child in his 90s uh because you know well, because I mean, that's if you impossible look at biblical times i mean methuselah was at 986 years old well by that standard you're not over the hill till you're over 500 years old so <laughs> none of those guys were over the hill yeah yeah in those days that's true yeah yeah I, <laughs> So, uh, so you're not over the hill, Dean. Oh, man, that makes me feel young now. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm just getting started. Was it 986? Was that old Methuselah? I, I, think it was, I thought it was 969. Was I thinking that? I always thought 986. Anyway. I don't know. A lot of years. Almost there. a thousand. Yeah. Almost a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> and I think about it from a running standpoint. Um, think about this. Okay, when, when you think about the term over the hill, here's what I want you to think about. Running over a hill, I'm going uphill, it's hard. And when I get to the top of the hill and I'm over the hill, what happens? You get faster. I get to run downhill, right? Mm-hmm. So look at over the hill that way. You're going downhill. Downhill can be it can be a good thing when you apply it to running. It's easier, right? So Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. Like Caleb, what hill might God be calling you to? Uh, we, when people when people write different than you do, it's really hard to read a hard them sometimes. Time today. I am, yeah. 
Like Caleb, what hill might God be calling you to take instead of using the over-the-hill excuse? You know, I I don't feel real limited in it. You heard me before. You know, when people say, I've gotten to be a little bit better about when somebody beats me in a race, for example, I'm going, well, he's half my age. You know, it's it's okay. But for the most part, I don't like that excuse. I still want to beat that guy. I don't care. I don't care how old he is. I've, I've never liked, I've never liked over the hill type of terminology, period. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, it's just like I've never liked the concept of retirement. I, I, I just haven't, I don't think I'll ever retire. I may do something different one day. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we're made to shut it down at any point in time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you sh- some people might retire from a job, but to me, the ones that, that live the longest and healthiest and most fulfilled lives from a, from a worldly standpoint, they might retire from a job, but they go going to do something else. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always laughed at my, my stepdad before he died. He, he retired. And a few years later, I was talking to him. He said, man, I'm more busy now than when I was working. He said, I don't know how I had time to get everything done back when I was working. Yeah. But he kept himself busy, yeah. not busyness just for being busy, but busy. His his focus changed a little bit, and, yeah. and it became more about helping people. Yeah. Um, but over the hill, it's just a picture. It's, it's kind of like, you know, riding off into the sunset. Well. I don't. I want to go out in the blaze of glory. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Better to you burn know, out than fade away. I want God to away. take me out doing something I love and something that I'm doing for Him. Yeah. Um, so I, I've never liked that kind of terminology. Uh, I've always said I'll never retire. Yeah. I'll do something different one day. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. You, you and maybe me and you'll be sitting here when. I guess if I'm a hundred, you'll be what a hundred. 15, something a whole, like a whole that. bunch. I'll be a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Give him Methuselah run for his money. That's right. But who knows? Yeah. But I, I I don't like the idea of just, I never have liked that excuse. Yeah. I don't like it when people use that excuse for run for God or running in, in general that they're too old. Well, you're not. Yep. You're never too old. We've got plenty of run club members that will that will fight you over that statement. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the one right now. What's her name? Um, Real feisty run club member. She's probably listening. Double amputee. Oh yeah, I'm so bad with names. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah. anyway, I mean, yeah. she's she's on up in age, and and yeah. man, just a but no that's excuses. A picture of what I want to be when yeah. I'm her age. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome <laughs> picture. Well, you know, there's only two things that I won't try to do these days. One of them, I've always been that way because I won't sing in front of people mostly because i can't sing the other thing i won't do amen yeah the other thing i won't do is i won't jump over fences anymore so uh that second one is probably a a good thing yeah i i I like to think i'm smarter than that you know i made that one mistake dislocated some ribs it was probably the most uncomfortable thing i've ever been through and i'd rather not do that again so uh so i quit doing that (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i've been a I've been amazed that, and we know this is going to happen. And if you're out there and you're you're getting older, one of the things that happens as you get older, and and like he says, as you get into your fifties, you really really start to lose muscle mass, mm-hmm. and you start to notice that. And so for me, that's the thing that, like, I mean, just doing like a squat now, 
you know, something that was so easy 10 years ago now is, is kind of difficult. Um, so yeah, you got to be a little more measured. When you Paula Galladay is her name. Paula. That was Paula, driving me crazy. Paula. Yeah. I want to be like Paula. when I Yes. Amen. And, uh, cause I mean, to, to listen to her or to read her post, you would think she's 25 years old. Yep. And, uh, just a great example. Yep. If you're, if you're up there in years, be more like Paula. Be like Paula. Yeah. <laughs> At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help build your relationship with God. That's why we partnered with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists that you can listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that is put together by Run Club members just like you and the Run for God station at J Radio. All right, we're back. Speaking of age, um, you know, I posted something recently because I just saw it online and it was talking about your knees wearing out as you get older. Um, Someone had asked the question that, what age do you need to stop running to protect your knees? And uh, the truth is, is that running is therapeutic to your knees. It doesn't destroy your knees. And that if you're a lifetime runner and your knees go bad, it's in spite of the fact that you ran, ran not because of the fact that sure. you ran. And I think that's an important thing for people to understand because so many people think that if I go out there and I run, I'm destroying my knees. But the truth is, is when you run, you have a your your knee is a syno what they call a synovial joint and you you have this synovial fluid that lubricates that joint and it's it's good for that joint to have that the more exercise you get on that knee the more synovial fluid you you have in that knee the better that knee and healthier that knee is well and I, i've i've always cringed when i heard people saying this too and and i've never really said this to somebody but this is what i've always thought when i've heard that argument so Let's say that that's true. I, I'm not. It's not true, and I'm not saying it is true. But let's just for this exercise. Let's say that it is true that running is bad for your knees. Does all the good that comes from running not far outweigh the bad that comes from sedentary? Taking that subject out. It's a good point. I mean, heart disease high cholesterol i mean if you're if you're thinking about your doctor bills yeah your doctor bills are going to be much higher yeah if if you're just living a sedentary life than if you're living a running life and and maybe you start having some knee problems yeah even a even a person with with not so great knees who's fit and active the benefits far outweigh now with all that said i i don't buy into that argument I, right. I, I think it's good for your knees, yep. just like you just said. But um, many times I feel like people are – they use that as, as an excuse. Now, there are some people out there who genuinely have some knee issues, and maybe it impedes them from running, but it's not because of running. That's you know, true. Holly, my wife, for instance, yep. you know, she's probably – going down the road of needing some knee replacement in the next several years. But it's not because of running. And right. she'll tell you that. She wants to run. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we, a lot of times we that's just one of those. It's kind of like the I'm too old. 
Yeah. It's something society has just said, and many people believe it because you hear it so much, but it's just not the case. Yeah. Running is one of those things who it truly, and we've seen it over and over again, where it actually kind of reverses the aging effect rather than mm-hmm. makes it worse, right? Not just your knees. I think about I think about my diet. I'm I'm healthier right now than I was probably ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because I've changed my diet and I'm continuing to run and stay active and do all the things that I do. Sure. And it's just it's important. It's important to do. Important for sure. All right. It's a time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And as we talked about at the top of the podcast, how you look at things can completely change your perspective. This one is called Changing Filters. I recently walked out the door on a Saturday morning for a long run. The temperature was in the mid-20s, there was snow on the ground, and the wind was blowing in gusts up to 30 miles per hour. It wasn't the most comfortable conditions I've encountered, to say the least. To make matters worse, I was running into the wind for the first seven miles of the day. As I, as I began, I felt sorry for myself and wasn't feeling great about the run. I knew I needed to get it done, but I didn't have to feel good about it. As I dodged any slick, slick places on the road, I noticed that there were more dogs out than on a normal Saturday morning. As I was accosted by one of them, I wondered what else could go wrong during this run. Some days are great, it seemed, but others are just meant to be endured, I thought. There's a Tennessee State Park about three and a half miles into the run. I stopped to get some water and to use the restroom. The warmth of the building was nice. As I entered the restroom, there were a couple of adults and a couple of children who were perhaps 10 years old. I asked them how they were doing, and we exchanged pleasantries. Then I found out that they were Cub Scouts and had camped out overnight in the park. Now remember, it had rained half the night and then snowed, leaving a couple inches of snow on top of a layer of ice. You want to know what they were talking about? The great adventure they had experienced in the camping trip. Thank you, God. I needed that attitude adjustment. Here I was complaining about my circumstances and how miserable it was for me to be out there running while these kids were living it up through the entire night, and they called it an adventure. It made me think about how we look at things through filters. I had chosen to use a filter that saw what I was doing as miserable, while the kids had chosen an adventure filter. Needless to say, I changed my filter as I walked out of the restroom. And do you know what I saw subsequently? The snow was so beautiful in the hills. There was less traffic on the roads than normal. I was actually feeling pretty good, but had failed to even notice up to that point. Changing my filter changed everything about that run. I think God was happy to see me change my filter and appreciate what I was doing. So he blessed me with an opportunity along the way. I was able to help two young ladies who were trying to build a snowman. They had created these two large snowballs but could not lift one of them up to place it on top of the other. They had created a ramp to roll it, but it was just too heavy for them. I stopped for 45 seconds to help them and left them with a huge smile on their face. And I was smiling pretty broad myself. You have a choice every day. 
Whether we do it consciously or not, we install a filter through which to view the world. God tells us that he wants us to live life more abundantly. He doesn't want our days to be awful. And although we know we have to go through tough times, it doesn't mean we have to be miserable doing it. What filter are you choosing to use when you leave the house? What lens do you use to look at your runs? Are you paying attention to the cold, windy, and slick conditions, or are you focused on the beauty and adventure that God has in store for you? I think we need to throw away some of our filters. The sad filter? Get rid of it. The revenge filter? No need for that one. The this is impossible filter? That one is never useful. It's your choice which filter you use. Which one are you going to choose today? <laughs> That's an awesome story, Dean. <laughs> You know what that reminds me of? What's and that? I think you remember this. Remember the year that we did the triathlon camp at Fort Mountain? Yeah. We did a little triathlon camp for the kids, and uh, we were doing it. It was during spring break, so it was about this time of year. So mm-hmm. the water was still pretty darn cold, mm-hmm. and we had them in wetsuits, and we were going through the swim portion, and they were just freezing. I almost got to feeling bad at one point because the water was cold. Yeah. And they were absolutely freezing and complaining. This is when all the kids were much younger. I think Lane was probably 12, maybe. (laughs) And I'll never forget, within 30 minutes of getting done, there were kids that were camping there showed up, and they were swimming and playing in the water with no wetsuits on or anything. And I remember looking at all of our kids going, you guys were just absolutely belly aching and whining and freezing and now these kids are out here playing in the same water yeah, yeah. and they all felt pretty you know ashamed yeah. of themselves at that point but that's kind of what this reminds me you kind of had that same attitude yeah going up this is horrible and then you hear about kids that were yeah out playing all night in it's it it's true i remember that that was but it is i mean that's all that was was a filter it really the, was and it was yep. a good lesson for those kids too when they saw that they were like we were just complaining. I mean, they felt pretty foolish after that. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it was—I mean, it was a good—it was a good thing, you know. It yeah. showed them that it's really not as bad as because most times we we make this stuff out in our head that it's just way worse than it really is. And oh yeah, if you just look at it like like you could have walked out the door and said, "I'm going to go play in the snow." Yeah, you yeah. you probably had a different perspective. Yeah, I would have. I would have. And and normally that's what I would do. I mean, that's my normal MO is yeah. to be positive about what I'm doing. But for whatever just it was just it was cold and that wind was blowing right in my face and you know that first mile my face was just it was just it hurt, you know, cuz it was trying to get numb and and it didn't help it was 70 the day before. Yeah. So <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. And, and so this this run was uh, like I said I was just I, was, I just feeling sorry for myself and it was amazing again I wound up running pretty fast on that run uh, way faster probably than I should have run and part of it was just my change in attitude mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was it was astounding and like I said it was funny how I thought I felt bad like my legs felt bad until after I saw that and then all of a sudden my legs felt better hmm. I mean literally my legs felt better from that and it's, and nothing changed and nothing except your filter that's exactly right it's a yeah. good it's a good yeah. lesson Dean yeah yeah I was listening to a podcast uh, this guy who he talks about filters and framing and all that stuff all the time 
and he uses what he calls the really filter. I saw this in your notes. I yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah. I think so, I have one of those. Yeah, yeah. If you mine's a seriously filter. Yeah, yeah. Same, same filter. Seriously. Same filter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When somebody when somebody says something and you're not sure whether it's true or not, then you you ask that question. Really? Uh, I mean, seriously. I mean, really. Yeah, seriously. You're embellishing just a little really. It's really not that common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good filter. I like that one. Uh, yeah, there, there's just a lot of different ways to frame the things that we do and the things that we are doing. Um, you know, one of my favorite filters is the, well, other people have done it lens. Mm-hmm. You know, my my attitude towards, um, well, towards anything. I'm trying to think of something recently. There was something I did recently where I was thinking, well, other people have done it. Um, I remember, I remember when we, uh, when we jumped out of an airplane, we did the whole parachute thing out of an airplane and it was a little scary, but at the same time, it was like my, my justification and my, what made me feel good about it was, well, a lot of other people have done this. It can't be that bad. And that gets me through a lot of stuff. You built this story in your head that wasn't true. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to default back to. Yeah, if people have done this, if Joe can do this, I can do it. Yeah, you know, that's I think that's a good one to use. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yep. And then and then it was really cool <laughs> getting a chance to stop and help those two little girls. They yeah, were so they, thoughtful. They had put they had put that ramp up there, and they were really trying to figure out. They really wanted to get that thing up there. And well, here was here's what was funny about that is we got that up on top of there. Well, they hadn't. You know, they were amateurs. I mean, they live. They live in South Tennessee. There's, there's not a lot of snow. They don't have. They don't get this opportunity often. And um, uh, they hadn't thought. I don't think they thought about how they were going to do this because there was this big hill in this yard, and they were down. They were basically in a ditch where they were. They had rolled this this snow all the way down this big hill and got down there and like, I don't. We don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> and and so they started getting creative. And uh, but anyway, when we when we got that second one on top of the first one, there was no flat spot for it to stay. And so I don't know what happened, but I, we got it balanced. And I said, I said, you guys are going to have to try to flatten that out right here somehow. You guys are going to have to get this to stay. And uh, I said, I said, do you got it? And then you left. <laughs> well, I, I said, do you got it? And they said, they said, yeah, are you sure? And they said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to let go and I'm going to leave you guys with it. Okay. And they said, yeah. And uh, like I said, they had the biggest grins on their face. You need to go see if it's still there. I bet it is. Yeah. Because I, I still had snow out by the building. Yeah, I'm sure that's still there because it was kind of in a shady spot. It was under some trees. Yeah. So yeah, it probably probably would be. That's a yeah. funny story. That is. Yeah. Of course, you know, once it once a snowman starts melting, it falls over pretty quickly. Yeah. So even if yeah. So, but here's what I will say: our most important filter, and the filter we should all be using, mm-hmm. is the filter of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Is if we're gonna everything we look at, if we'll look at everything that we do through the filter of well, you know, remember the old. What would Jesus do? Uh, bracelets, the WWJD bracelets. That's what that was intended for. It was intended for us to look down and change our filter. Well, you know, yeah, and we need to. We always need to be fine tuning that filter. I, just this, just recently, and I'm not going to get into what it was or, but there's there's something about the Bible that I've always heard forever that this is what the Bible says. And I'll be honest, it's not it's not an area that I've ever really dug into because I've never really had a reason to dig into it. But somebody kind of challenged me on something here a while back. And so I dug into it. And it's not as cut and dry 
is what I've always heard. Mm-hmm. It, it it's very ambiguous, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm kind of struggling with it. I mean, it's not anything major theological. It's 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 just one of those. What's one of those sidebar discussions you hear about sometimes that I've really never had a a reason to go into it, but I do now, and you know. Now I'm looking at it with the biblical filter, mm-hmm. and sometimes that filter is not crystal clear, and you you got to dig more, and you dig more, and you mm-hmm. dig more, and, and ultimately you'll find the truth. But sometimes we just we we look at a situation with the the not even a society's filter, but just what we've always heard filter. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. that's more dangerous than any of them. You're right. Because well, why are you doing that? Well, it's just because what I've always heard. You know the the lady that uh, uh what is it about the lady that was cooking a roast and people come to her house and uh she she always cut the roast in half yeah. and laid it open in this pan and you know people come in and say well why are you why are you cutting that roast in half i, I may not roast may not be the thing but i'm using that as an example why are you cutting that in half well that's the way my grandmother always did it yeah okay and so she always cut it in half always cut it in half always cut it in half she got to heaven and she got to ask her grandmother you know, people always ask me why I cut the roast in half. Why? Why did you cut the roast in half? Well, it's because the pan I used wouldn't fit a whole roast, so I had to cut it in half. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so we fall into that trap sometimes. That's right. Of we do things or we think or believe things just because that's what we've always heard. And I love how my pastor always puts it when he gets into deep theology of the Bible. He said, "Don't trust me. Yeah. Go look this up for yourself." Yeah. And and we've we've. On spiritual things, we've got to use this as our filter, not because of what Dean said or what Mitchell said. You you need to go, you need to trust but verify. That's right. Anything you hear when it comes to Scripture, Amen. that's why you've got to have that daily relationship and that walk with Christ and and getting in His Word. And it works the opposite way too. We see people who are convinced they can't run twenty minutes because they've never done it before, and so their filter or is somebody told them they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, and my filter is, well, I've never done it, so what makes me think I can do it, right? right? And so we got that's another filter that gets in our way very often is, mm-hmm. well, we haven't seen it done, so obviously it can't be done. Well, no, that doesn't mean it can't be done, right? Mm-hmm. And with God, we can do crazy, incredibly awesome things. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. All right, we're back, and so the in the NCAA indoor championships happened, and uh, there just wasn't a whole lot notable about it. I really wanted to to come in and say, you know, this was it was a crazy, you know, this great race or that great, and I never, I didn't. The only thing I saw, the only thing that caught my eye, was one the men's mile. Mm-hmm. So in the NCAA, 
Um, you know, there's there's guys, several, there's a bunch of guys. Everybody that's in the final can run under four minutes for a mile. But the winning time was 4.07. Mm-hmm. And so this became one of those it races. It wasn't a Prefontaine race, was it? No, this was not <laughs> a Prefontaine race. And everybody, the guy who won um, actually led the whole race pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, they all just kind of sat on him thinking they were going to outkick him. And then at the end, he had more than they did. And he wound up outkicking them. And uh, so they ran super crazy fast over the last, I, th- I think they went through, I think they went through the um, the half mile in 210. And that's just, that's so pedestrian for a, uh, for a group of college, the best in, the best in college. Yeah. And, uh, and they want But don't up. you see that a lot in those big, big, like the Olympics. A lot of times there's rarely a lot of tactical races broken yeah. in the Olympics and it's because there's so much tactics yeah you know it would, well do you like that kind of which, which race do you I hate those kind of races you hate tactical I races I like I like it's why I like um, bike races yeah like criteriums because criteriums are basically like track races yeah and it doesn't the only thing that matters is who ultimately wins well bike race organizers have gotten smart and they need to do this in track. If they do this in track, it would make track way more fun to watch. But they offer what's called a preem. And so if the bike race is going to be 20 laps, with at lap 10, 20, and 22, they'll offer a $100 bonus for the winner of that lap. Yeah, yeah. And, man, that just – because you'll see guy, you'll see some guys show up and all they're racing for is the preems. Yeah, yeah. But then you got guys who are racing for the win. Well, they don't know that the guys racing for the preems have no chance of winning the whole race because these guys are coming from all over. Yeah. So it really it it makes a a bike race so much more because if they didn't do that, it would just be like one of these strategic track races. Yeah. Where it's just everybody sits there and nobody breaks, and then the last lap, you know, the gloves are off and everybody goes at it. But it. When you offer a preem, it makes the whole race really good because some of the some of the preems can rival the overall price. Yeah. I mean, as far as dollar wise. Yeah. Um, and and they do that just to make it more exciting. That's, yeah. that's the only reason for it. Of course, in track, you know, back in the eighties, there was Tom Byers. I don't know if you ever heard that name before. Tom Byers was they called him the rabbit that got away, mm. and so he was a rabbit for a race. And the they they guys decided we weren't going with the rabbit, and he got way out in front. <laughs> That's hilarious. And he wound up winning Good the race because he yeah. was like, "Wait a minute, they're not even close. This. I think I can still win this thing." And he wound he wound up winning it. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, the rabbit they got away was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess I don't know. I, I like tactical races. I like championship style racing better than I do. Because the truth is, is like when Elliot Kipchoge gets out there, and maybe that's a bad example. When when they're looking for a world record, it's fun to watch them try to break the world record. And you're watching every lap to see if they're under pace or whatever. But they're they're what's the difference? I mean, in that in that race, they're just running faster for a longer period of time. the The chances of somebody shifting gears in a track race um, are zero. Unless it's a tactical race, it's not a tactical race. Nobody's shifting gears. They're just either you're sitting to kick or you're hammering as hard as you can go. 
either one is a constant effort, right? Or if they would put like like, and maybe they do this. I don't think they do. If they put like, say the London Marathon or London Marathon is one of the fast ones, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's fast. Yeah. If they put a hundred thousand dollar bonus if you run a world record, they do. Really? Yes. And nobody goes after that? Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I mean, the world record is at London. But then that just makes no sense. I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's bonuses. If people break a world record, there's a bonus for those things, for sure. So why aren't they going after it every year? Well, well, first of all, it depends on the race. You only have a chance to break the world record on a super flat course. So Berlin, London. So you've got the course. That's about it. That's about it. I mean, that's it. You get to. You but get, that's what I'm saying. Use yeah. use that one. Well, they do again. But why don't they go after it? That's my question. Well, they do. I mean, that's why London has all the fastest times. I mean, the fastest time and the second fastest time were were London wins. Okay. Uh, Kipchoge and Bekele. Um, they're the number one and two. Well, and then they need to put that. preems in it. Yeah. Now they need to do five k, ten k. Half marathon preems. Uh, that would be interesting. Imagine if those were $50,000 preems. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because yeah. then you're going to have some guys, you're going to have the 5K guy go out, and Kip Chogi's going to hang back and say, let him have that one. But he may turn into the rabbit that got away. He, he and, may. And it's why I don't like technology and bike racing. You know, like if you ever watch the Tour de France, they'll yeah. have a guy break away, and these guys hang back, and they know Ex- so much yeah. about the math, about how it's going to transpire, that they never go after them. Yeah. Well, if you ever hear about races before that technology, well, if three guys took off, and they start getting out of sight, you, you don't know anything about them once they get out of sight. Yeah. So the whole races back then were very different, and people were hammering more, and it was more exciting to watch. Well, now three guys take off, and it's so predictable. Yeah. And it's usually within the last two miles that the field catches them and passes yeah. them, and very rarely do you have that the guy that holds it. Yeah. Um, but it's still exciting to watch because you know there's always that chance. There's always a chance they're able to hold it, hold them off a little bit longer, and they wind up winning it. And man, it's so much fun to watch that one out of twenty races. Where it is, but imagine if the peloton had no clue where those guys were. Yeah, but then again, you would have a big, you'd have a big bunch. They'd all just stay together all the time. They wouldn't let that guy get out there. You wouldn't have that opportunity. That happened at Boston, the Boston Marathon this past year. But it makes the race much faster. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but I don't care how fast it is. I, see, don't, I, do. I just don't care how fast it is. I like the. I want to see a good, a good battle, and I think that's a fun yeah. cerebral battle to watch. You know, the guy at Boston that went out last year. You remember that? The guy, guy goes out in Boston. People haven't even heard of him, and he's just he's way out in front, and they, they all let him go. Is that the, the guy that had to call in? And- so I need to stay another day for the awards. No, no, Who no. Who was that? No, that was uh, Yuki. Yeah, yeah, that was the Japanese guy okay, that yeah. won it in bad in the bad weather. Well, last year, you know, you had a guy. He just he went out hard, and he, his goal was to to try to hold it as long as he could. And he 
he was leading up until I think 23 miles maybe late late into the race and it was like well, but you realized you you were thinking oh he's going to be done by the time he gets to 20 and then at 20 he's still leading and then at 21 he's still leading you're like oh man this is awesome I gotta watch this guy and you know of course he winds up getting caught but man up until the point he was caught it was exciting yeah so yeah. there's a little bit of both yeah i've never been a strategy guy you know it's uh, yeah, I, like, I remember one. I, like, I like the prefontaine type. Just yeah, go hard. I guess maybe it has something to do with perspective. Because when I was young, I was a sit and kick guy. I was like just hang around with whoever's in the lead, and then just beat them at the end. Yeah, and that was just my that was the way I ran almost every race. And so, well, I, you know, kind of a, a an example. I'll never forget one of the first bike races. Lane doesn't. He's never really done a lot of bike racing, um, but he. He right, he's very strong on the bike, but he just that's not what he does. And I'll never forget the one of the first races he got in. He was racing a bunch of guys who also do triathlon. It was the I can't remember the team out of Atlanta, and uh, every one of those guys on any given day, Lane could just dust them in a time trial on the bike. I mean, he he was a much stronger cyclist, and he actually got it handed to him in that race. Because it was so team tactical, yeah. And he had no clue. I mean, Lane doesn't do bike races, so he had no clue what they were doing. I mean, they were just baiting him and switching and baiting and switching it, and just absolutely destroyed him. And then they all took off and left him. But any given day, he was a stronger biker than all of them. Yeah. But it's the tactics come in, and maybe for that reason, that's why I don't like tactics. I just like. But isn't it cool that the the, the weaker guy can win by being smarter? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a good, it's an age-old debate and a good one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, the cool thing about this particular race, the NCAA Indoor Championships, is that the top seven, the top seven runners all finished within one second of winning. Mm-hmm. So the guy who finished seventh was less than a second behind the winner. And I think that's something to, to, to talk about later. You know, later in life, he's like, I was less than a second away from winning an NCAA championship. Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> How about a trivia question for this week? This one is interesting. Who is the youngest person to run a marathon? I know the youngest person to run a marathon on seven continents. I know yeah. her personally. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Do you know who it is? I don't know who it is. Who is it? It's Winter Vanecki. Who is that? The girl that used to do triathlon with Lame, and now she was in the Olympics. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah, yeah. was the youngest person to run a marathon on seven continents. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. She was like 12 or 13. Wow. Yeah. Well, this person was way younger than 12 or 13, and so uh, check it out. Hmm. See if you can figure out who the youngest person to run a marathon one. was. Yep. And send the answer to Dean at Run for God. And if you are the first person to send the the right answer to Dean at RunForGod.com, then you will win a Run for God Run Club Tumblr. Yep. So we'll get that out to you quickly. Every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And this week, this is the reason. Variety. You know, we were talking about switching things up and making things interesting. Uh, Well, think about it. If you're a runner... Uh, you're, you're, you're called a runner whether you run a 800-meter race or a 24-hour race. Mm-hmm. You're still a runner, 
right? So there's lots and lots of variety. You got trail races and trail running, and you got road races and road running, and you got track and treadmill. You got all these different ways to run. Um, some people do it for fun. Some people do it for competition. Some people are trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. There's all these different reasons why people run. So just variety in general. And it doesn't matter your speed either. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, running is, is, a, is a variety. It's all We could go on all day about variety and running. Our motivational thought of the week is this. It comes from a name that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to pronounce that. Uh, M. Duduzi Mundalamo. I don't know if that's right or not. But this is what he said. Your life is not a wheelbarrow nor a wagon. So expect no one to pull or push you where you want to be. Mm. Let your effort take you there. It's a good word. Yeah. A lot of times we, I don't know how many people, I, I, this is the one that hit me all the time, was back when that the show The Biggest Loser was on. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard t- several people say, well, if I was in that group and if I had these dietitians around me and I had people pushing me every day, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You can do that without those people. Mm-hmm. You got there's internal motivation. You don't need the motivation of other people to to get you where you want to be. Many times you can do it better. That's true. You know, it's uh, we, we've talked about the team mentality mm-hmm. of certain sports lately, and sometimes a team they can get really fast, but they're they're limited by what each other's doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you go out solo on things you have no limiter beside you yeah and so the sky's the limit yeah and uh and what does it all depend on depends on what filter you use mm-hmm. for sure that's a, that's theme, a good word Dean. a good theme for the day i know somebody needs to hear this podcast today all right <laughs> all right get after it have a good run may god bless every step of every run and walk Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.